Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly. Our producer is James O'Sullivan. I'm Tom Ackerman. Cole Duggar also assisting on production, and he will be producing our game coming up at noon, the 2011 Game 7 of the World Series. Someone asked me on Twitter, you're playing that again? I'm like, I'll play it every night. If I, <laughs> I mean, it's good stuff, isn't it? Game six is really good. Game seven is the clincher, though. That's when they win it all. But starting tomorrow, as we talked with Mike Schilt just a little while ago, we're going to play the four-game sweep at Wrigley. So you can tell your friends in Chicago if they want to listen. on. They can listen on the Radio.com app or on KMOX Radio. And they could replay it over and over again. That's right. You can replay it using the rewind feature. You can just listen to Yachty and DeYoung go back-to-back. Yachty and Pauly back-to-back. John Rooney calling it. It is rainy out there, that's for sure. This would not be a good day for racing in St. Louis. Joining us is the general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. It's Chris Blair, but it's a good day for racing in Darlington, isn't it? It sure is, and I tell you, that's one of the great things about you know we've been looking at some of these days, and um, it really I'm really disappointed when I wake up and I'll go outside on a Saturday or Sunday during this time that we're closed, and it's absolutely beautiful. You know, most people love beautiful days. I don't right now during this time. So when it rains, I'm actually happy because I know okay we wouldn't have been racing today anyhow. So that's a good thing. But no, uh, but yeah, we're excited about this race uh, going on at Darlington today. I mean, this is the most excited I've been to see a race on TV. And, heck, I don't know, since I was a kid and, you know, wait all winter for the Daytona 500 to come around. And so we're pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be a, a good show. I would imagine that you will get a little emotional, actually. I, I think I know you pretty well. I think that when the the green flag uh, goes, I think that that this, the hearing that roar when they, when they yep. see the green, that's a big moment. I get chills every single time I watch Daytona 500 and the Indy 500, which would have been... Uh, in here, coming up here in a couple yeah, weeks. Next week. Yeah. Yeah, next yeah week. no, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited about today, too, because uh, uh, Alex Bowman, who is a young man that used to help me with my son's uh, racing when we were racing quarter midgets out on the West Coast, he's uh, starting uh, second today. So uh, he's going to be leading them down into the field and, and into turn one, and they haven't had any practice. And, like, I was, I was talking to Alex yesterday. He's, he's been in the simulator a lot. He's been working on a lot of different things. Uh you know, trying to get prepared for it, but you're going into turn one with zero practice, no qualifying. First time they've been there in almost a year, and 
Uh, the one thing a lot of people don't realize too, the track, nothing's been on the racetrack either. So, you know, you're going in there with no rubber buildup. The grip is going to be very interesting. Uh, so that first turn could be a doozy. So that's one thing we're all going to be kind of puckered up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Not having fans is an adjustment. Now, in NASCAR yeah. or in motorsports in general, you don't hear the fans because you know, on TV because it, the mm-hmm. cars are so loud. But it's the visual. It's seeing all yeah. the different... Uh, all just everybody out there and, and the craziness, the party that is racing. But that's just something we're going to have to become accustomed to in sports for a little while, isn't it? Yeah, I'm hoping it's a very short while. Yeah. I mean, uh, as we're starting to see, uh, you know, some of the other states are starting to open up now. I was at a, a race at Peebley, Missouri last weekend. Uh, Bob Sargent, who's a friend of mine, rented the track from Ken Schrader and uh, Ray Marler to, to promote a show. And, they did everything by the book with social distancing and uh, you know screening the customers before they came in, and it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic day, and it just you know, gave us some normalcy again. It felt so good, and I'm seriously considering hopping in my car and heading to Wheatland, Missouri. There's a race there this afternoon, um, and you know I'm wanting to attend a, an event so bad I may head down there. But uh, and then the World of Outlaws are coming to Peebley uh, for a two-day show this Friday and Saturday. Hopefully the weather will work with them. So. For, you know, for fans, there are some options, uh, even though the, with the limited seating tickets sell out quick. But, uh, you know, there are some options for people to get some races in the uh, in the area. That's exciting. You should do it and listen to Game 7 on your way. We're going to be carrying it on KMOX. <laughs> I know you texted me. I may have to do that. You texted me, what yeah. was that, for, uh, Thursday or Friday when, when we were airing yeah. the 85 series to hear Jack Buck do an entire game was an uh, amazing experience. Maybe. You know, when I was a kid growing up in Kentucky, we could get KMOX, we could get the games, you know, and uh, and Jack Buck, it, it makes you realize just how he was one of a kind. I don't know, you know, has there ever been anybody as good as Jack Buck? I mean, the way he describes it, the enthusiasm, the amount of information he could, you know, throw out there and want it bad, it was you know, spectacular. And I'm listening to him, and it was one of those things, I, I didn't want to go online and look up and see what the results were for the game because he was painting the picture so well, you know, it's been so long for me that, uh, yeah, it was fantastic to hear it. It's fun to hear. I'm excited to see what the next chapter is for you and your track. The latest I've heard from you, and I know you've been doing a lot of things, and of course we discussed iRacing and all of that, but I saw you in the news, including on our newscasts, quite a bit on street racing. So there, the illegal street racing that's going on, it's very dangerous, and it's happening a lot here in the St. Louis area. Uh, you have pushed your uh, drag strip out there and said, hey, wait a second. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, come over. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Uh, what, what in general has been the response? Well, you know, everybody that we're talking to is saying, yes, we agree with you, but because of the rules of the state of Illinois uh, that you know, we currently have on lockdown from Governor Pritzker, uh, it's currently prohibited. Now, we are allowed to have testing, uh, private testing with smaller groups, but, you know, unfortunately, having the ability to really make an impact, you can't do it with, you know, small tests. You need to be able to, to get the groups out there. And it's just so sad because you'll see the videos popping up and where people are finding, uh, you know, abandoned roadways or uh, warehouse spaces where there's long stretches of asphalt. And they're gathering around. There's absolutely no safety. They're, you know, and they're definitely not social distancing. And this is taking place. And it's not just here. It's all over the country. Um, at my old racetrack that I was at in Las Vegas, we had a similar program that we started back in 2001. 
And I saw a report that last weekend, Las Vegas Police Department, they went on an all-out assault to shut down the illegal street racing taking place out there, and they wrote over 400 tickets in one night. So, you know, that tells you if you know we can do this, we can do things safely and responsibly, and it, it, when you're looking at trying to do some things to combat what's happening illegally on the highway, I feel that's essential. We are an essential business when you look at it from that perspective, and we need to be provided that opportunity to, to give these folks an outlet because the warmer it gets, the worse it's going to get. It's just going to continue, and then it's going to be a major problem. Uh, per the state of Illinois, your offices are closed, and uh, right now, are you getting people reaching out about tickets? And again, well, I'm going to talk about the Bomberate Automotive Group 500 coming up because you moved that back a week because of the Indy 500. But uh, what can people do if they want to get in touch with you? Because I know the offices are closed temporarily, but you do have people answering phones, right? Yeah, we do. Well, basically all of our staff, we forwarded our phones to uh, their cell phones. So their office lines are going to their cell phones. Uh, I'm still going in every day. I, I deem myself a security guard, so I can keep keep an eye on what's going on. But uh, you know, and, and our maintenance guys, they are permitted to work because there's a lot of things you have to do around the property. So you know, we're still trying to stay as engaged as possible over there. And uh, you know, so that's uh, people can continue to reach out uh, to us. Tickets are on sale. We're uh, amping up for August 30th. We, we're pretty optimistic that uh, there will be some racing taking place, and we're going to be. Uh, we're getting excited about it, so we we have to maintain maintain that level of enthusiasm. And, you know, one thing, Tom, that we have done, uh, we've joined the Illinois Motorsports Coalition, which is a group of all the racetracks in the state of Illinois, as well as uh, industries that may be uh, affected by motorsports and the shutdown. And you know, we're doing a petition online. We've submitted a uh, eight-step, one-year plan to the state of Illinois legislator legislators to consider so that we could be can uh, have a safe operating uh, process to have our races resume and we're encouraging fans to visit the illinois motorsports coalition facebook page sign the petition uh, we're also going to be posting it on the uh, worldwide technology raceway page today and we're hoping to make some progress this week as the uh, legislators can be reconvene in springfield we're going to be submitting this plan to them and hopefully we have some success so you go to your Facebook page, but also can can they link to it? They can through wwtraceway.com, right? That is correct. We're going to be posting it uh, about the same time that NASCAR race starts today. So okay. folks can go on and check it out, and uh, we hope they'll support what we're trying to do. In the meantime, you have numerous ticket packages, upgrade opportunities for this big weekend that you're throwing, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. It's NASCAR and IndyCar, remember. So you're talking about the trucks and uh, open-wheel racing, incredible opportunities you have this in this complex for hospitality, the tailgating, the camping. You're expecting people from around the country, especially those folks in Indianapolis, you couldn't ask for a better setup. The Indy 500 is a week before your race, Chris. Yeah, that's like the greatest infomercial anyone could ever get is to have the Indianapolis 500 the week before. And, and you know, Roger Penske uh, and Jay Fry, everyone over at Indy, uh, IndyCar, uh, when they asked us to make this adjustment by a week, one of the things they said they would do is help us in aggressively promoting the event. So when that race is on TV, you know, there will be a lot of uh, promotional support for the next week uh, you know, for people to come to St. Louis. And the one thing, too, is a lot of the races that were affected earlier in the year, those fans are looking for places to go uh, for the later part of the season. So we may actually pick up some new fans from some new areas that uh, that want to come check out our race. And the other thing we're also looking at, too, is a lot of people have already scrapped their 
vacation plans uh, for this year. A lot of people are going to be staying at home. So we're hoping to see uh, more local support when we actually have the race. Well, that's a good point. You know, I talked to Chuck Wallace on Friday here on KMOX. We had him on Total Information AM. He's the general manager of mm-hmm. Bomberito Automotive Group, and he has uh, a very it's some high hopes. I mean, the branding, the opportunity, you can hear it in people's voices that when mm-hmm. there's a live sporting event around the corner, they're still very hopeful and optimistic. And, I, you know, looking through your site earlier this morning, I found all of these chances to get together. And I thought, man, I, how nice would that be to sit around at a table with my buddies drinking a couple of cocktails at the rumble before the roar at turn four right before mm-hmm. the race? All these things just think back like i can't remember the last time that i sat and watched uh you know <laughs> my my buddy sitting around a table with some music playing in the background that was one of the good things about going across the river uh, to the the race last weekend to get to see a lot of the those folks and people that you know were able to do that so that, that was uh, that was exciting and you know that's one of the great things about it too is you know, St. Louis sports fans are so respectful. It doesn't matter if it's baseball or if it's at the PGA or if it's at our race. Everybody cooperates and works together, and, are, and they're responsible. And they they look at the bigger cause, uh, the bigger picture of what we're, everybody's trying to do with the city. And so, if there's a place that we can do a, a race safely and or a large event safely, it, you know, it's going to be St. Louis because the people care about the sports property so much. So that's one reason why. You know, if we can have our events soon, we know that our our people are in this all together. And I don't think you'd have any problems in safely conducting events here because people want their sports back in St. Louis. Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, August 30th. It's IndyCar. The Bomberito Automotive Group 500 is a huge, huge day here in St. Louis. That's for sure. And it has been a spectacular event. I've been multiple times and absolutely loved it. So Brad Keselowski has the poll today for the Real Heroes 400. That's the NASCAR race at Darlington. Folks, this is not an eSports event. This is not an iRacing event. These are real people getting into cars. These are real engines. This is a real track. This is going to be really something. And it's on Fox 2 at 2.30. Not that I would ever direct people away from KMOX Radio, but if you want to see (laughs) (laughs) racing on TV, there you have it. So let me see here. Keselowski, Bowman, uh, 1-2. And you talked about your great feelings for Bowman, but you got some big names in here. Bush, Harvick, Blaney, Jimmy Johnson's running eighth, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin. There's your top ten right there. Uh, that's, uh, That's big time, big time today. Yeah, and this is one of those tracks, too. You know, Darlington, it's an older racetrack. The surface is kind of worn. It's very tricky. Anything could happen, and you may see some young upstart like Christopher Bell, who's been uh, who's coming on strong and looking good. You may see a first-time winner today. There's Anything could happen when you go into a race with zero practice, zero qualifying. Uh, it's going to be a wild race from start to finish. Sports reopening, starting with NASCAR today in the Cup Series. Chris, we appreciate it very much. Thank you for the time. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Be safe if you head out on the road to one of those races. All right, Tom. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. The general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway Gateway is Chris Blair. Great to hear from him. We'll take a break. We're going to update you on a couple of other changes in sports to come. PGA Tour is getting close to reopening as well. There are some big golf events in the meantime here in the month of May. At the bottom of the hour, John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations, and we'll hear a little bit of my garage happy hour with Ozzie Smith at 1145 before we take you back 
to Cardinal Baseball at noon. It's Game 7 of the 2011 World Series. In case you missed it, we are re-airing it today at noon. Back in a moment, sports on a Sunday morning. I'm Tom Ackerman on KMOX. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. NASCAR chairman and CEO Jim France now at Darlington and is going to remain outside the infield, according to the Associated Press. Just putting that out there, that the 75-year-old France is considered high risk to contract the coronavirus. So NASCAR executive Steve O'Donnell posted audio on Twitter in which France grabs the public address microphone in the scoring tower and thanks the entire industry for their efforts to get us back racing. They're going to have roughly 900 essential people approved to be inside the gates today in Darlington for NASCAR's Real Heroes 400 that starts at about 2 o'clock and will air at 2.30 on Fox 2. That's not the only live sporting event today. There's another one, and it's going to be on NBC locally here on KSDK. Dustin Johnson is going to be playing, and so is Rory McIlroy. They're going to be paired together against the Oklahoma State boys, Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf, the national champion. It's happening today at Seminole Golf Club, a charity skins game. Seminole is just spectacular and very private. Like you never see this on TV. So this, I think the first time Seminole is going to be in the spotlight. It is going to be the first live golf on TV since March 12th. That was when we had the opening round of the Players' Championship, which was eventually canceled. We're going to have live golf today. DJ and Rory going up against Ricky and Matthew Wolf. It's for charity. So with the $4 million of COVID-19 relief efforts uh, or more, it says, um, in, in this, a lot of these reports, they, they are going to be... Practicing social distancing. It'll be interesting to see how it goes because the players won't have caddies. They're going to carry their own bags. I'll be I'll be fascinated to see how this works. PGA Tour is going to start up next month, but for today, in an effort to raise money, it's called Tailor Made Driving Relief. This money is going to go to COVID nineteen relief efforts. Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy against Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. That one starts at 1 o'clock on Channel 5. Again, I Bob Hyland, our longtime general manager, would not like radio personalities telling people to watch TV. But I'm telling you of two events of live sports, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do? I mean, it's exciting. We'll take a break. When we come back, John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, will be along with us. I'm Tom Ackerman. You are listening to Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning oh, yeah. on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you. Good to be along with the Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosellock. It's 1132. Good morning, Mo. How are you doing? Good morning, Tommy. I'm well. Thank you. Uh, I was just talking before the break about DJ and Rory going up against Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf for COVID-19 relief efforts. They're going to play at Seminole at 1 o'clock today, a charity golf event that's the first live golf event on television since March 12th. 
that's really something to think about. I wanted to ask you, that's uh, right in your neighborhood there in uh, Juno Beach, Jupiter area, Seminole. I have not played there, but that is a spectacular and very private golf course, isn't it? It is, and uh, it'll be kind of fun that the whole world gets to watch it um, and, and see what it's about. But, um, you know, it's it's an exciting golf course. It's one that's right on the water, so on any given day you could have uh, – strong winds coming off the Atlantic and uh, it'll be fun to watch though. To your point, it's just something to do, right? (laughs) I mean, I literally put this event on my calendar because I I was like, I don't want to get distracted, but um, yeah, it's all hunker down home office and, uh, and watch it. It should be exciting. That's great. Great competition too. And uh, just some awesome people involved too. And I love the fact that they're raising money for COVID-19 relief efforts. I'd like to think in my mind that, uh, on a regular day that they would all go to the Reef Grill afterwards. That's the restaurant right there by Seminole. I don't know if that's open or not. I know that we're we're still sort of easing back into society, but that that is my all-time favorite restaurant right there next to Seminole. I love that spot. Uh, Mo, I, I'm really encouraged. And again, I, as I set up with Mike Schild as well, I told the audience this, that you and I didn't talk in advance of this interview, but we kind of have a, an understanding that I respect Major League Baseball and the Cardinals and the situation at hand. So I'd never put you in a situation where you, where you speak out of school. And I know you, you wouldn't either because this is a negotiation. But I always like to lead in. What can you tell us about the latest right now going into what we know is a proposal sent to the Players Association? And we're all sort of patiently waiting for business to, to work itself out. Yeah, I I think going back to what I originally um, kind of walked you through or the audience through, listeners through uh, a few weeks back, where you have sort of this like health, medical, and safety uh, component as sort of hurdle number one. You've got the economics, which is hurdle number two. And then I think I would define hurdle number three as as logistics. And that means, you know, putting it all together, uh, developing a schedule. Uh, travel strategy and all of that. So, you know, let's just start with with sort of the the first one though, and that's the the medical and and, and safety of 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 players, staff, and everybody that would be really involved in in creating the game as as we sort of remember it. And so they they put together, I think it was roughly a a sixty page document that that sort of Major League Baseball did on on what that would look like in terms of of allowing players to get a sense of, of how we would try to protect everybody. And, and when you talk about protection, it's, it's about you know, what are the safety protocols that would be in place? How would it look? How would it work? So, I mean, this is very detailed. I, I received it on Friday. I've read through it twice. I'm going to go back through it again today and, and get a real sense of sort of, sort of really any like sort of pitfalls, if you will. But, I mean, very comprehensive, and, um, you know, the people that that put this together, it's very impressive. It is. Uh, There's been uh, several reports on it, and, again, we go by uh, what uh, just in society in general we're all adjusting. But, like, I'm just thinking to myself what an adjustment that is for a player just as we are in our daily lives, but, you know, just the thing of putting in a handful of sunflower seeds and spitting them all over the dugout, you know, like little things like that. I'm not saying that that's specifically in there, but it probably is uh, that, you know, that's something that you can't do anymore. You can't do this, can't do that. It's it's going to take a lot of 
information and walking through, isn't it? Spring training will be a learning experience in that way too. Yeah, I, I think it's going to take. It's going to require a lot of patience. It's going to require a, a lot of, of of understanding because, really, to your point, what what we remember as sort of normal, th- th- those days are gone. So. Um, when players, you know, would would show up to the ballpark for a seven fifteen game, they'd start arriving around twelve thirty in the afternoon. They'd sit down. They'd have a made to order meal for them. Uh, there'd also be a buffet option, and you know, then the day could unfold in a very like casual time. And and then the training room. How many people actually have access to that versus in the past? It was, you know, anybody could walk in. And so just the, the the normal sort of rights of what you remember are, are, are not going to be there. And so that adjustment and people being patient and, and, and taking the approach of, of understanding is just really critical to making this work. You have one of the best clubhouse guys in the business in Mark Walsh. You have some of the best trainers uh, anywhere in sports in your clubhouse. There's... There's a lot that they have to go through. I don't think sometimes people stop and realize how many people make a baseball game. Like it starts the night before that everybody can show up and and have everything in order and where it needs to be. I guess there's just a lot at play here. You're protecting not only players, but staff, umpires, everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to think about it is it's almost perpetual. And and so to, to your point of the Mark Walsh's and, and the Adam Olses and Chris Conroy's, they, they all have this, this responsibility that, that, yes, they have to deal with the here and now, but before they leave um, to call it a day, that, that their preparations and everything is, is prepared. So when tomorrow begins, it's ready to go. And so it's this almost like a leapfrog approach where it just keeps going. And, and so everybody understands their roles. You know, I was talking briefly with uh, Ernie Moore, just sort of on the complexities of, of some of the things that, that he may be challenged with as we go forward. And so, you know, he and I are going to be meeting tomorrow just to sort of go through that, what that looks like, how we can best give him the tools to prepare but there, there's so many moving parts right now. And, you know, really what I told the staff is, is just sort of focus on your area and then we'll sort of intertwine it and, and see how it affects others and, and making sure that we can, once we do have the ability to hit the go button, we can do that in a very uh, uh, aggressive, but also strategic approach. So we're not making mistakes along the way. The, that was the second part of what you said of these different facets of this proposal and situation that we're in is the logistics because we don't exactly know where these games are going to be played right now, do we? Because it does depend on guidelines, restrictions moving forward, kind of still, still sort of a day by day, week by week situation. Yeah, I think that's sort of funny because we were, people I talk to on a more regular basis, I said, what we know today will change tomorrow. And that's sort of how it feels. But I do think we get a sense that the ideal model would be to try to play in your home city. And, you know, for us, that would be what we'd like to see happen. But, you know, obviously we're going to have to do what's best for, for everybody involved to see if we can make that work. But 
that's where we're sort of putting our energy right now, and, and hopefully that happens. And then the third phase is economics, which, you know, for years, the owners and the players have had discussions and negotiations, and this is another one in an unprecedented time, but it is a negotiation. It requires patience. I was asked on a radio show yesterday, they had me on and asked, what does this mean for salaries moving forward and for contracts moving forward? And I said, uh, they got to understand what 2020 looks like first, right? I mean, I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what 2021 looks like from a salary standpoint, right, Mo? I mean, we, we're we in a we're in a discussion as to what the player's going to be paid right now. Right, right. So, like, to worry about 2021 is you're just getting out of head of yourself. It's not to say that, like, people in my job don't think about that. But, you know, right now it's all energy is, is about getting back to baseball in 2020. And, and so – you know, for us and here in St. Louis, we're, we're very focused on the draft that, that's coming up now in, I guess, about three weeks or a month would be a better way of putting it. And then, you know, all other people that don't aren't involved in the draft will put their energy on trying to find out how we can get ourselves back on the field. So, you know, baseball operations right now is, is, is definitely uh, running in, in, in full throttle to some level. Um, obviously, we're not playing minor league games, and so there's a side of the game that we're not – being able to participate in, but you know that's where people's heads are. That's what we're thinking about, and and really just to take you back to the summary, just so we don't get things out of order. I really look at it as you know priority hurdle one is is the health, well-being. Two is the economics, and three is logistics. And yeah. so, if you think about it in that way, you'll you'll really have a good feel for sort of how we're approaching the strategy. That's yeah, a great way to look at it. A couple of quick things before we go, uh, Randy Flores, how's he doing? Uh, this is a, a this is different, and he Flo is your uh, director of scouting, and he has done a tremendous job on drafts in the past. This one a little bit different of an approach challenge, but I know he's been hard at work as as your entire staff and yourself. Yeah, he's been uh, he, he and his group have really been killing it. Um, they've been doing everything remotely. Obviously, they're not out seeing baseball games, so they're they're trying to come up with a a model or a plan, if you will, that will allow us to, to get through this draft and have success. Now, I would say, though, that, that you know, we're fortunate because the way we've, we've put this department together, yes, we've missed two and a half months of seeing players, but so did everyone. So we're all on the same level playing field in that regard. But, but how we approach our, our performance analysis, our statistical analysis, I think will hopefully give us an edge. But so flow... Tyler, that whole group, they're, they're working extremely hard right now. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly think the next four weeks are going to fly by for that group. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we can get through this. Obviously, the rules of the draft have changed. So, you know, how we prepare and what we need to prepare for is a lot different. But still, we're, we're very bullish on, on having some success in this draft. Last thing, I had a question on Twitter for Mike Schilt that I wasn't able to get to, I thought maybe I could throw it your way where it says, uh, could you ask Mike about the minor league guys? Are they looking at an extended spring training type thing in Florida, playing games with teams in the area? Thanks, says Troy. What What is the – I'll, I'll say this. I, I think there's potential for some crazy good depth for Mike Schilt moving forward here, but how do you see all of that playing out? You have some great minor league depth. Well, it, it depends how you're defining minor league depth. Yeah. Um, you know, first off, 
again, everybody's trying to figure out, you know, how can we get Major League Baseball back on the field? Then, you know, you flip the page and say you get excited. You can you come up with a strategy to do that. Then what does it look like as far as, as the minor league season goes? And what does that mean? And, you know, I, I don't think anybody quite understands what that looks like. And let's sort of back up now just to the major league question. You know, historically over a, a normal season, players get injured. Players don't perform well. Players get optioned. Players get outrated players get put on the IL and and you fill those spots with what your minor league system so players come up now not knowing what that's exactly going to look like you're going to have to to come up with some version of a taxi squad some version of where some players are working out but you know we roughly have 200 minor league players that I don't see a path for them all to be playing baseball this summer. So I think it's going to be a very limited group that we'll have access to. And, and ultimately we're going to have to make sure that we pick the right ones that give the major league clubs some level of insurance, but then also couple that with, is there, is there a plan or a strategy in place where we can get some of them to develop as well? So all of that's in the air, and that's something that we discuss and talk about almost daily. And, and again, no, nothing's been finalized on that front, but we know it's very real. It's a lot to take in. We really appreciate your efforts of your club in, in this time, and we appreciate you relaying the information to your listeners and your fans. And, and thank you so much for taking these Sundays with us. Really appreciate it. All right, Tommy. Thank you. Have fun with Rory and DJ today. And Ricky and, uh, and Matthew, that's gonna be cool. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do that myself. That's at one o'clock today. John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations. Great to hear from him. It's 11:46. Back for a final segment as we got to chat with Ozzy Smith on Thursday in my garage happy hour. Man, that was fun. We'll have, play a little piece of that next on KMOX. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 11.50, just a little bit more before we take you to Game 7 of the 2011 World Series. This is Game 5 of the 1985 NLCS. Jack Buck and Mike Shannon on the call. And Ozzie Smith joined me on my Garage Happy Hour Thursday to talk about this very moment. You know what it is. Take a listen to this. They play Ozzie to the opposite field. Here's the pitch. Swing and a pop foul. Strike two. And... He's Hard to, to handle the smoking Tom Needenfuel. He's trying to pull the ball. Needenfuel is 6'5", 225. Big man from the North Country, Minnesota. First baseman and the third baseman guard the lines. Ozzie with one out. Took a ball just outside. Cardinals have left 10 men on, and they left a lot of men on early. And a runner at third, nobody out in the first and didn't score. Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith, Corks one into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. And the Cardinals have won the game by the score of three to two. And a home run by the Wizard.
And with that, Ozzy circled the bases and hit one of the most memorable home runs in baseball history and certainly in Cardinals history. I asked Ozzy during my Garage Happy Hour about that with Mike Shannon, as you heard in there, said he's trying to pull the ball. Mike noticed it. Ozzy had never hit a home run from the left side until that moment, but he felt like he was getting stronger. That's because he had come into contact with a personal trainer who got him to that spot. Became very good friends with uh, Mackie Shillstone down in New Orleans. And Mackie's a world-renowned trainer. And uh, we had worked on nutrition and, and, and weight training and stuff. And I had learned how to pull the ball. I had thrown a little bit more weight and had gotten stronger and learned how to pull the ball down in the corner. So uh, in that instance, with the way the Dodgers had always tried to get me out with, you know, hard stuff in, soft stuff away, I knew they were going to try and uh, – try and get me in. And, and so I'd learned to turn on the ball, and that's all I was trying to do there was turn on the ball as I did, and uh, he didn't get it far enough in. And um, lo and behold, you know, history was made. Uh, when I got up that day, Tom, I had no idea that the day would end the way that it did. We had our backs against the wall. We knew that we, if we didn't win that game, you know, um, the season was pretty much over for me. But, you know, that game five, I think, demonstrated the the type of tenacity and the hard work and, and the dedication that we had as a team. You know, I was the one that, that gave us the opportunity there, but it was a it, it was everybody pitching in and doing their part, you know, to create a moment like that. And and um, you know, I was it was great for me to be a part of that, but then it was even greater when we went back out to Los Angeles and be a part of watching Jack who Tom Needenfuhr has struck out. Uh, the time before home run that propelled us to the World Series. Yeah, and Jax, that home run we're going to play that game tomorrow. Game six will be on Friday night on KMOX. And I love that video, too, of him running because the, the visitor's dugout was on the first base side. Yeah, yeah, and he looked into that dugout and gave you guys a clear message, didn't he? That was, that was awesome. You don't see that ever either in the middle of a game where he gets rushed by teammates. Here's how it sounded. Clark, a chance to redeem himself after striking out in the seventh. The Dodger right-hander is set, and here's his pitch to Jack Clark. Swing and a long one into left field. Adios, goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. A three-run homer by Clark, and the Cardinals lead by the score of 7-5, to five, and they may go to the World Series on that one, folks. And everybody contributed today. McGee, Ozzie Smith, Clark, her, you name them. And Daly trying to save it for Worrell and avoid the seventh game. Here comes the pitch to Guerrero. Swing and a fly ball should be caught by Willie. He fights the sun, and that's a winner. The Cardinals go to the series. They beat the Dodgers 7-5. to five. It's a beautiful scene to observe as the Cardinals pound McGee and each other. Give high fives, low fives, kisses and hugs, and they've won the game 7-5, to five, and the 85 cards are in the World Series. So a fun story to tell about that Jack Clark home run and what he said to the team when he looked into the first base dugout. So again, Dodger Stadium is flipped, and some ballparks are, where the visitors actually sit in the first base dugout. So when Jack hits the home run, you watch the video. He turns and looks into the dugout. Ozzy now is on base. So 
but it, it's it's very well known what he said in the dugout, and this has been relayed to me by several players on that team. And I, I won't say the word because we're on KMOX radio, but Ozzy says it on the Facebook Live if you want to watch it. But he was known, he, he liked to call his teammates bees and the word for bees. So he says bees, and he was the big B. So when he hits the home run, the three-run shot off Needenfuhrer, and he starts running to first base, he turns, he looks right into the dugout. And I've heard it two different ways. I've heard that he said, let's go, bees. And I've also heard a version that he looked into the dugout and he goes, take that, bees. And they went absolutely nuts. They ran out onto the field and greeted him at home plate. You never see that unless it's a walk-off. This was in the top of the ninth, and the Dodgers still had to bat. He was loved on that 85 team. Jack Clark hit a mammoth home run off Tom Needenfewer to give the Cardinals the lead, and they won that game. Unfortunately, they didn't win the World Series. A lot of things at play. The Don Denkinger call, yes. They also came back and got throttled in Game 7, uh, but played a hard-fought series against the Royals and lost in 85. But the 85 team, in my opinion, top five Cardinals team of all time, along with the 04 team that lost uh, in the World Series. Our thanks to John Mosellock, to Chris Blair, and to Mike Schilt. I'm Tom Ackerman. Cardinal Baseball is next, Game 7 of the 11 World Series. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.